Rocking chair, chair sessions. sessions. With Elisa Di Batista, Maria Teresa Barber. 25 minutes. Hi everyone, by the way. Uh, we have been talking for 25 minutes with our guest today, Mike Rivermonte. Welcome to RCS Rocking Chair Sessions, Volume 75, with artist Mike Rivermonte. We're in it 25 minutes, but we're gonna start again because Maria was so geeking out over his new Zoom, I don't know what is, triple year 3000, whatever, that she forgot to press play. But we are excited to have him here. And welcome, Mike, again. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Um, so yeah, so Mike, let's jump in. Anywhere, anywhere is good. Anywhere again. Um, when did you first start at the Bakehouse? I started at the Bakehouse in 2009 at the winter time. At uh, the winter so, time. Yeah, right before. So you were so here before Basel. What was that? What was the experience like here back then? In 2009, <clears throat> the place was a madhouse. It was, <laughs> it was crazy. It really was crazy. It was. Um, um, but I came in, and then all these other people came in, and they were all already friends oh, and they were illustrators and there was graffiti mm -hmm. and um, <clears throat> um it was great yeah it was really it was really i can't complain about it at all i mean we were just bouncing ideas off of each other now right before people would kind of like rent out rooms and okay. do like uh, a project room oh but i got in after that so there wasn't a lot of that going on anymore but just just <clears throat> coming up with uh, problems and then talking about it and then somebody around here's a professional at it you know and had something to say and before you knew it that you realize this place is an amazing resource mm -hmm. of all these talented people that you can get things from and that I think that's what makes it a jewel mm -hmm. yeah bounce you know. ideas mm -hmm. off of because little... really we work by ourselves all the time I mean most of the time if it's not in our head you know we're either planning working it out be sitting in front of the television having a complete conversation with someone and you're busy working out with what you're going to do tomorrow. But um, yeah, the bakehouse has just been a great place for that. And with the Basel, uh, there were just people coming back and forth. There were taxis parked out front while uh, waiting for people. Collectors were people. walking around, That's you know, incredible. and things like that. Um, the energy was really fun. Where was your first studio? Because I know you're located 1A outside now, correct? Gatekeeper in the back. I was over by the stairwell. Okay. Under the stairs, that's why I, where I met him. Oh. With his, I don't know, 150 little Martys and Autos from his children book, Troy, right? right? And I met him there painting all those little... Um, Little I remember the sculptures. large robot. It's like, what was it? Like the nine large, feet, eight feet tall? Yeah. Nine Huge. foot, one inch. Yeah, I, I so was... So beautiful. I was... Um, it was a marketing idea. I actually, uh, an artist here, Jerry Stecka, who's off to Savannah now, I think he's teaching there, is, uh, said, you need a photo op for people. And so because I worked at <gasps> Broadway in front of the theaters, you know, we would come up with these little things to make people sit there mm -hmm. and get a photo op. Because when you're in front of the theater, standing out during the break. So I said, a yeah, photo op would so be great. So smart, like so, a selfie moment. Yeah. Right. So I said, okay, I'll make a giant robot, something that a little kid could look up to and just go, wow, inspire little kids. <laughs> and big kids. But at the same time, I wanted, uh, it had to have a purpose. 
So I thought, well, why don't we, I thought about Florida having all these roadside attractions. And I said, what if we did like Florida's tallest wooden robot? And we'll tout it as that. And we'll say at the Bakehouse Art Complex. So I thought that was a great idea. I made a leg. And then outside of my studio, I had like this cardboard, uh, what is that stuff called? Foam core shape of how big I thought it would I be when I finished. Court, yeah. And so then I got on Kickstarter and I did like a little short video that said I needed uh, $3,000 to make this robot and all I have is a leg. And <laughs> and then it was so much fun because I'd never done any video work so that was where all that you know, that's tech, how you that's started the came from. video. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I um, got my money like two days. In two days, I got completely funded. I was like going, wow, this is awesome. No, no not way. surprised. So I'm so not surprised. we made all these little tiny Rex statues and uh, I made a poster and I made cards and I got the money, I built the, the Rex and then we kept it at the bakehouse for as long as you know we could stand it because people can only look at the same thing for so long. <laughs> and then the Boca Raton Library, who actually helped fund um, the book? the Marty and Otto book, oh, they so said, we love Rex. Can Aww. Rex come for the summer for our reading? Because uh, his name is Rex because I put an R on his chest, but the R was from my last name. But I didn't want to say Rivamani for a robot. So, that's, so I just had Rex. It well, the kids did robotic. it for like reading or like the three R's. Oh, yeah. And so we did a, he went to Boca Raton uh, twice. That's so great. Maria's um, secretly checking to make sure that we're recording right now. <laughs> and the kids loved it there. Even Aww. when we set him up, because we made him so you could take him apart and put it back together very easily. Oh, we went for so like great. toys for tots. And we, I wanted to go to um, the children's hospital here, but they never called me back because I, I guess they felt like Santa had the the, the bill for that year, so they didn't need a, oh, a thing no. there. I, I, and also sure. people get busy sometimes, so you should always hit them up again and maybe, you know, maybe it'll happen follow up. I'm yeah. so bad at that, but it's But those important. kids love that robot so much that when I said I need it back for some show or something, I think we were putting him at uh, Macy's downtown for Basel oh, one fine. year. And the kids made all these going away cards. Oh, so when I went oh to pick him God. up, the girl says, all these are yours. And she handed me this big stack of construction oh things goodness. with those little peel-off sticker things. They had oh. stuck them all over the robot and everything. And I had all these oh. beautiful cards from kids talking about the robot it was crazy that's so cool it was a lot of fun so that made it all all Worth the fun so yeah. where did he okay. go afterwards he's in the studio in the back now <laughs> have a nine foot it's studio sitting back there with no so arms or legs library if you want him back yes, he's available <laughs> or also for open studios you could put him outside for instagrammable moments i should have made him light him up because exactly. he, he is not really movable right you gotta take him apart to move him or... yeah you have to take him apart i always wanted to have a picture of a mini cooper and him behind and me trying to sit there and go in there but you know you think about those things when you're standing in front of something too long yeah that's funny no, I was actually um, going to mention the book. How, how, when did this idea, the notion, because you mentioned advertising in New York, when did the idea of you becoming the illustrator, making your own story, come to life for you? Well, I've been drawing since I was a kid. Okay. And uh, it's one of those things that I'm not really sure it was a gift as much as it was just something I like to do, just practice. You know? But when I got into uh, school... Uh, I re started to realize that drawing had a talent and you could get out of class and do the bulletin boards outside of the classrooms because the teachers said, yeah, I see now that teachers have a lot of work to do and they really don't have so time to do much. that bulletin board. Yes. Even though they true. paid for it. <laughs> but um, so anyway, I, I would draw and then, you know, 
it just kind of snowballed from there. I was cartoonist on the school paper. Oh, so I've always had this thing. Oh I wanted to go to Disney really bad. Cal Arts. Yeah. Um, I wrote to them, not even knowing what I was doing. Or Pixar. I was like a little like, kid. Yeah. And I wrote to them and they wrote me back telling me what to do. Oh and then I just goodness. kind of didn't understand and I never showed it to my parents or anything. So that never even happened. Oh, no, you uh, should write to them now. Be like, <laughs> oh, my I'm God, Disney, boy. listen, if you're listening. That's incredible. So then I went to uh, school and then from there I got graphic design. And uh, uh, but I, I, I liked illustrating. And uh, when I started building the when I started thinking about the robots. I wasn't going to do advertising anymore. Mm -hmm. But I was still going back and forth from Miami to New York doing freelance. Oh, I and, see. Um, um, staying with friends at the advertising agency who were kind enough to let me a couch. Oh, that's nice. And um, on the trains, I started sketching these robots and got me drawing again. Mm -hmm. And so I was drawing these robots and then I started putting them in scenarios, mm -hmm. kind of seeing how they would interact with our world. And that kind of happened my mind started thinking that way because I just kind of have a cartoon mind. I have a lighthearted mind, mm -hmm. so I want to make things that are lighthearted. I think that was a choice that I also made when I decided to make the robots. When I decided to make art, really, I was graphic design. So I went from that to wanting to, to make physical things. And I said, so you have a choice now. What do you want to do? Well, I didn't want to make anything that had like... Um, angst or sexual mm -hmm. undertones and I didn't have any social issues I wanted to really work on. So um, I just started to make uh, things that I thought would put a smile on people's faces. I said, there's enough crazy stuff out there. So I had a yardstick on my door that said you had to be this tall to come in. <laughs> the first time I had my first little workshop, you know, and I was just like, oh, there. I had like school clock in the room. So it was just like, just like being a kid. I just wanted to just put myself in the frame where I'm just going to make fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, that got me into, you know, here, which ended up with the Marty and Otto, which came from a Japanese, the Japanese American Museum invited a hundred artists to do a Kokeshi doll oh. in their style. And I was invited and I was doing the Kokeshi doll and I decided, my dad said, I shouldn't say I decided, my dad said, you should put a cue ball on top. Thanks, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so I put a cue ball on top and I was looking at the cue balls and I put a cue ball down on top of a uh, camera body and I realized that that was a little guy in a car. And then from there, that happened. And then I was doing some more sketches. And then I said, what if I did like a spaceship and I put the cue ball into a little alien and I put them in a spaceship. So I was like drawing some spaceships with like all these little aliens in there. They were going on a road trip. They stole a spaceship and they were like, yeah, your mind. And um, that's so much fun. I started drawing them in scenarios, but then I didn't know who they were. So I said, well, I have to do the Disney thing, which is you should write like a paragraph. I used to write about a, about a paragraph on each one of my robots when I built it so I could see what his personality was going to be. Like, for example, the first one I ever did was Walt. And I said, well, Walt is like a James Stewart, a very tall figure, but he's like also like the leader of a group. And he had like this little bulb on his head. He was built from a 1924 uh, radio. And uh, that was just like so much fun. And then after that, everything just kind of comes from that. So the book kind of came from all those sketches of scenarios of storytelling your work so you could kind of get a better idea of what you were making. But I also think the fact that, um, like, I feel like there's a, there's a romanticism to New York City and also like being able to sit on the train and have time to think and not be stuck in a car and be able to either read or write or draw. 
um, is quite wonderful. Now it's obsessed with Maria Maria's I'm going to stare at this until but, the very end of the session. But what I was saying is that you see the design aspect of it. I mean, as the, the, the wood meeting the metal, the vintage, the that kind of like, um, there's an appreciation for the restoration of older items. It's a hunt. Mm -hmm. When you decide that you want to build <clears throat> a robot, which incidentally my whole robot building was a bet between my dad and I to who could build the best robot. <laughs> Your like dad, 150 bucks. My dad's awesome. Your dad's he gonna is. be on Colorado RCS Rocket Church is 175. He's gonna be he's gonna be on here. He he taught us to um um I mean, he was an electrical engineer and he had curiosity. Oh my oh, goodness. He that built makes our, so much sense. He built our television set okay. at a time when you know people were building te television sets. He also built his own radios back then. Uh, there was a magazine that came out called Popular Mechanics, which for boys especially, it was like this book that came out that showed how to make a gas-powered go-kart out of a lawnmower, or how to make cabinets, how to build a sailboat. That's so funny. Uh, there's another book that came out that's from like 1908. It's uh, for the boys. It's like 108. It's a thick book. And it's got stuff in there that half of it sounds scary, like you couldn't even make it without like a factory behind you, or I don't even know how they even got some of the stuff that they got. But it's just like this, these amazing books. And, and so we came from uh, this place where we were always making stuff. And I think that's, you know, this always making things. And my uncle was a carpenter, so I worked for him while I was in college, um, gluing and sanding. It wasn't, you know, was it wasn't, wasn't a great Was this in Alabama or Virginia? Yes, because it was in Alabama. What, you, what our listeners missed was that oh. Mike was born in Virginia. <laughs> Virginia Beach. Virginia Beach, Virginia. I was born in Norfolk, Virginia. Norfolk, Virginia. Oh, well, my grandparents live in Virginia Beach. And then you moved to Alabama to, for a bit. To Huntsville, Alabama, Huntsville. where uh, the um, uh, George Marshall Space Flight Center is. Nice. Uh, Rockets, space camp is there. So I, um, when we first moved to Huntsville, we were at a park right across from the Space and Rocket Center. So the Saturn V rocket was like right across the street. So you know, so cool. you could just see this giant 36-story rocket ship. That's those Your are the kinds of things that kind of wild, yeah. They, they, uh, in fact, when I did the rockets, it was from a trip I went home, and I'm looking at the Saturn V while we're driving back from the airport. And I'm going, why am I not making rocket ships? Those are cool. So I had to get that out of my system. It's always about you see something, you say, yeah, oh, I want to climb that mountain, I'm going to do it. And you mm -hmm. get up there and say, no, I don't want to do that again. And mm -hmm. the sanding and the wood, I feel like that's something that has obviously served you now, even though it must have been tedious and maybe excruciatingly boring back then. But now you're like, wow, I'm using it. Right. It gave me an appreciation for, uh, yes. Because my uncle, well, because my uncle was saying, you know, it takes a lot to be a cabinet maker. Mm -hmm. And I was like a silly 20-year-old that said, well, I know everything. I was like, nah, all you have to do is just cut the wood. And he goes, well, cut a piece of wood. So I was trying to cut these, and he could carry four by eights, which is, you know, because oh he'd been goodness. doing it so long. So, yeah. And he could cut a straight piece of wood, and mine was like all over the place. <laughs> and he said, see? But I was too, you know, nah, oh. just a bad piece of wood. Yeah, you're like, and in, in college, did you study um, advertisement or graphic design? I did. I studied graphic design and sculpture and illustration with a minor in marketing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there weren't computers then. Mm -hmm. There was no a Apple had just came out, and so we had no computers in our school. The teacher just got one and was talking about how cool Photoshop was, and we're like, <laughs> "Oh, that sounds neat." That's really we were nice. using uh, Harvard Graphics. 
And then my uh, stepmother, who is working for Intergraph Corporation, just created Sun System, which are the first computers that uh, uh, CGI were using for uh, animation. So they were developing all that, but that stuff was like, we'd go there on the weekends and play around with all this animation stuff, but didn't know how to use it because, you know, (laughs) they were the end users, not, well, they were the builders and I didn't know anything. But so film animation was always with you. That was kind of like from, because that's what you told us, right? And then making with your hands. I went to a high school. I was, I was a cartoonist. There was like a group of us. We all had drawing pencil and drawing markers in our pockets. Oh, that's so cute. And they were very talented. Some of them, um, uh, one of my friends went to work for DC and did the Powerpuff. Well, he does all kinds of very talented. But uh, our yearbooks, we had like the most amazing art in our yearbooks, stuff that you wish you could frame. So and much like fun. That. It's just a lot of inspiration from those people. But you, you, you find your group, your little niche, I think, definitely. Yeah, there was always that, that stuff, always the art thing was like very fascinating, mm-hmm. lots of fun. How was mm-hmm. it the, from Alabama to Miami? I mean, we, we are quote unquote southern states, but we're kind of a, bit, a little bit further south. Right. Uh, I um, was in Huntsville, it was winter time, and I was sending out my portfolio across the country, which were slides back then, and like a folded thing that I hand printed, and lino cut. I was very much into printing at the time because that making something over and over and over again was like fascinating to me. Yeah. You know, it was just like a surprise. And um, they, they wrote me from Miami. They said, we would like to, uh, would you like to uh, come try and work for us for a little bit, see if you want the job? And okay. I was like, sure. And they said, could you drive to Miami? And I was like, yeah. I didn't know where Miami was. <laughs> I was like, I don't even, because I didn't even think about it. I was like clueless. So when I found out where I was, I was like, oh, okay. So they, they flew me here. I took the job because I didn't have any prospects at the time. And uh, from there, um, it was crazy. I got a job on Star Island working out of one of Howard Hughes' homes Wow. Uh, for like a almost uh, eight months. And then the boss said, um, I'm gonna give you your own job. You can do whatever you want. It's a graphic design company. We're gonna, you're gonna be on South Beach in one of my buildings. And then if I ever need anything, you have to do whatever I need. But other than that, you can do whatever you want. Okay. So we went out and said, who do we want to get? And so we got MTV Latino, we got Playboy Latino, we got all this, all this fun stuff on the beach to do for like about two years. Wow. And then um, my friend decided that he was done, he wanted to go somewhere else, and then I said, okay, I'm gonna go somewhere else. So I just started stepping from there. But I was working for startup companies, and as much as I love the idea of startup companies, as um, something to start off with in your career, I don't think you should go that route. Because uh, the whole thing, you don't, you know, it's just, it's just too risky. I think yeah. in the beginning you need um, a company that um, knows what handle, they want. Can or... ha- well, can handle your mistakes because you're going to make uh, a lot of mistakes, mm-hmm. and to make them on your own is very costly. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas with your with a, with a team or an a- advertising agency, which was my case, um, you can learn. It's so quick. Sorry, it's so quick to pick up from other artists because they're. Um, they're jockeying for uh, positions all the time. So you, mm-hmm. you have to be quick and on your toes and you learn so much. And, and look uh, for mistakes. And... and the money's there already. They have a sales force. When you're with a startup company, uh, everybody's struggling. You know, the boss is like trying to figure themselves out. So the startup companies never really worked here for me. 
There was a lot of turnover. And then in 2001, after 9-11, uh, the business for me just dropped. And uh, so I went, I was on Lincoln Road at that time. I had a, I had a, a studio on Lincoln Road with an architect. And then uh, I just took everything and worked into my house. And then I was doing gig posters for the Bamboo Room right below West Palm Beach. Mm. I took all those posters and asked my cousin, can I come stay with you for a couple of weeks and try to get a job in New York City? And he says, sure, come on up. So I slept on the couch, got on the train every morning, which was amazing. The energy in New York is just mm -hmm. crazy amazing. Never it's seen that before. It's a robot city, yeah. And uh, I hit the street. I got crazy lucky. And uh, my portfolio was, was something where somebody saw something in it and sent it to uh, this company called Spotco, which is an advertising agency. They're awesome. They did Rent, Chicago. Amazing. Um, Hamilton is the, oh. is the last thing that they, but they just, so working with a team of people like that was just, so that was my chance to really get a big dream job. Mm -hmm. Then I, I couldn't get to New York. It was a lot at that point of, I didn't want to move everything up there and start over again in such a small space. And at that point, I just decided maybe I'd like to make more stuff. Because when you're doing advertising for Broadway, the show is a year in advance. They're actually testing it and seeing what's good or bad, but you're doing all the graphics. Mm -hmm. There's no photographs yet because they haven't um, had, they don't have a cast. Oh. So you're working with illustrators, which is amazing. But then once the show gets started, then the live pictures come. So there's this beautiful process that transition to, you know, from planning to there, but it's a year and everybody has to work so hard because you're at the room, you've got all these ideas, they all get taken down. Uh, these people, millions of dollars are uh, at stake, so you have to hold a person's hand all the way through. But uh, it's, it's fantastic. And you got to go to Broadway shows to do your homework. Wow. Yeah. But it it's work. also, it's a lot of pressure too, right? Because there's Absolutely. so much money at stake and it's like... Yes. Yeah. So everybody there is on top of the... That's what's so, that's so yeah. amazing is that everybody is... Your boss, uh, the rest of the time, is a teacher for SGA. You know, or then, you know, everybody was like amazingly talented mm -hmm. doing other What's things. What's SGA? Um, School of Visual Arts in oh. uh, Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. Wow. So the thing was like, you never thought of like moving to New York full time. You always still had your Miami kind of life going on. So that was kind of he like Miami. I fell in love with I Miami. I fell in love. <laughs> My girlfriend is a dance teacher. And oh, so oh. New York is a different, uh, um, a whole different animal. Whole different animal. Yeah. And so um, she has family here. So I just decided I would just just stay here. Come back here. Yeah, yeah. come back here. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, I had really realized how much hard it was to. Um, so I mean, you mentioned, like you mentioned having a studio. I think the ability to have a studio, an apartment, and also a full-time job and not be exhausted at the end of the day. I mean, people burn out. Um, it's very complex and it's not for everybody. I think once you realize the amount of space you have down here, the weather, um, you don't have to shovel snow in the winter. Um, people come to vacation here. I mean, the art scene is changing here for sure. It has been for a very long time. I mean, it has its benefits to, you know, this could be a good, decent home. Probably a studio back then in the bake house was not that much money, right? It, it was very good. <laughs> it was not bad. There, was no, there was no internet, There was no internet at the bake oh, house. Was there AC by then? 
Yes, yes, there oh, was. Okay. But I have heard stories about people here who have no, no AC. AC. No AC and sticking their heads in coolers of ice to stay cool in the summer. That's funny. Oh my God. So yeah, it's not for everybody. And like you say, you had your heartstrings were pulling you back here anyways. Yeah, and I mean, for, I, um, I had a, I worked for a branding agency before I worked for the uh, advertising agency. And the, the boss comes in and says, um, I would like you to work on uh, this idea for the new Phantom. Uh, they want to revamp for a younger uh, audience. And you spend the weekend flipping out completely about, you know, how in the world am I going to figure out some new thing off of a beautiful international brand? It's just overwhelming. So there's a lot of that, you know, that it's the same thing here. I mean, I realize now, now that I've actually gone through, you know, the, uh, the trial by fire of uh, sculpting, you know, mm -hmm. and think, getting something to stand up is not an easy task. No. And the people that make it look easy, and then on top of that, make it Effortless that much. Yes, yeah. you admire yeah. completely. It's, it's, it's amazing stuff. I think that's why people admire your sculptures. It's because it's, it's just so fascinating that you could take all of these things and put them together in your brain and then tell a story. It's, it's quite incredible. When was your first, I mean, you said you made a competition with your dad. When was your first <laughs> successful like robot man that you're like, this is... This is this is something. This is I should continue this. I um so many things were happening at one time. I was in New York transitioning out and I was going to do uh was going to make robots I'd already decided. So now I'm collecting pieces, finding things that inspired me, but at the same time I wanted um I saw robots really weren't like the thing that I really wanted, but they were there. It was something that I felt was like really cool. There was a handful of guys, there was like five guys here in the US that were doing it. And Edward Martinet in France, who we talked about mm -hmm. earlier in the evening, uh, who, if you don't get anything from of, of talking to me, you have to check out his work, because he's just Edward amazing. Martinet. Martinet. Look him up. I saw him uh, at the, um, uh, in uh, Monte Carlo, at the Oceanographic Museum, he had done a series of fish out of old cars, sports cars. So there was like a giant hammerhead shark that was like five or six feet done wow. out of old car parts. Oh, and amazing. since now, I mean, he just understands how to break something down and take all these parts, bicycle parts and everything, and put it all back together. And that's what I'm trying to do when you see my work is what he does is you don't see all those parts at first. You see this creature. Yes. And you just look at the 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 part and you and the form, then yeah. as you start to look at it, it then you start to itself. pick all those little things mm -hmm. yeah and people see things and so you conversations you, come. you decide basically on on what you want to make like the the latest we have to talk about the crab again yes, too the please. mangrove crab you see okay I want to make a crab and then you decide on the pieces what, well what? But, but when when I was in when I was in New York I was at that point I was collecting mm -hmm. so I'm getting on eBay, and I'm learning uh, a particular thing, let's say bicycle headlight. Mm -hmm. I want a particular bicycle headlight. Well, I was learning it in like three or four different languages, because back then eBay, you would click on a different country. Oh. Now eBay is like wherever. Yeah. But before then, if you wanted to go to eBay in France, or eBay in Prague, or eBay 
Australia, which you don't have to learn language, but Thank you goodness. know, I would learn these different ways, and then more stuff would show up, and it would it's like a rabbit hole. You just go further down. So I Maybe got all those hole. parts. Mm -hmm. Was collecting those parts. I was also admiring these um, other sculptors, and I was trying to figure out how they were being successful at it. So I was looking at their CVs and their links at the end of their websites and um, uh, modeling what they were doing. Uh, one, of, one of my favorites was a guy's name is Lawrence Northey, who makes these beautiful chrome uh, uh, brass polished robots. They're beautiful with glass domes with a little dog. And he was just fantastic. And uh, so I was trying to see what he was doing. And he had gotten in this book called Spectrum, which is a juried exhibition. Yes. And it's a thick book. It comes out every year. And uh, so I said, okay, he was in Spectrum. I'll, I'll try it out for Spectrum. So um, I found out that Spectrum uh, was having a show of the master uh, winners of the last 10 years at the Society of Illustrators in New York City in oh. Manhattan. And it was all robots or all? No, it was all these amazing sculptures. And yeah, the sculpture, out of, out of old paintings. Parts. No, it's it's uh, it's the it's the master class of all these uh, sculptors. So oh, okay. they're working in clay. Uh, uh, also the paintings and also uh, the collected objects. Mm -hmm. And so I went to that show and was like, okay, I'm going to try to get into this thing. So my dad and I had started that competition, who could make yes. the best robot. So I took <laughs> pictures of my robot for that. And by the way, my dad won. His robot was oh, so no much way. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. First, Incredible. first he did it first. He did it in like a month. So and then fine. it took me like six months to figure out what I was doing. So but at I mean, that time, yeah. I wasn't thinking of one. At that point, I'd be gone beyond our conversation, and I was building like four or five, shooting for that bigger number. But what was the criteria on who won? 150 bucks. No, but I mean, how did you decide? We voted. We looked at what... You gave him your vote? Yeah. You voted for his robot? Yeah. <laughs> we have discussed oh, my kindness. I see now that I'm going to have to dig up that picture so you can see oh, what these, these two robots are. Yeah, you're going to have to find So um, what ended up happening is I got in that book five years in a row cool. with my first robots. Wow. And That's phenomenal. from there I got um, collectors who would buy a piece and then I would take that money and I would buy another piece of uh, machinery so I could build the next thing. That's and I got to build it up from there. Mm -hmm. But that five years in a row of being in that book was, was the secret. And I only did that by looking at the other people you know, before me and looking at what they were doing, which is mm -hmm. like, I think what we all do anyway. Mm -hmm. Look at who your teachers are. Your teacher's teachers. Mm -hmm. you know, that's mm -hmm. the kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was very cool. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Incredible. I remember um, first, of course, the the, the little um, sculptures you made of Morty and Otto, and then also the spiders showed up on the wall. Oh my god! And those spiders freaked me out. They were so they beautiful. Freaked me out because you were talking about you make all. I've like, got questions for when this interview like, ends. I won't say anything oh now. Oh my god! Like I, I mean, I have also like this. Do you have a phobia? There's really that really bad fear of spiders. I saw one outside, but, but I, I mean, didn't kill it. I have to tell you. I saw Louise Bourgeois's spiders. They didn't freak me out. No. no. But your spiders, they were, I don't know. They, they, were like, they were like on the walls. And I never realized were until you talked about it. I think with the robot, it was more obvious. With the spiders, I didn't realize that those were old parts. Or that they made out, you know. That, that was they, dumpster diving, the spiders. The, um, 
there's a Victor's Piano. It's not there anymore, but it was at the end of the road here, the yeah. back roads. You know, you have to take all the back roads nowadays to get around here. Yeah. Windwood is crazy. Yeah. Oh, it's under construction. And uh, the piano, uh, the, um, the founder passed away, oh. and his kids were downsizing. They had like three buildings full of pianos, oh. and they were actually throwing them in a big truck. And my girlfriend came to the studio one afternoon, and she says, we have to go over there. They're throwing all these pianos away. They're parts. There's got to be something over there. So we went over there and we were looking for things, you know, something that was going to inspire something. And she grabbed up all these piano hammers and put them in a bag and said, these are mine. And I was like, fine, I'm keeping them in your studio. I said, fine. So I was in the studio one day and I said, you know what? I've never made anything that you could hang on a wall. And I was like, it'd be cool to find something to hang on the wall. Then thinking like, what would Edward Martinet do? <laughs> I said, uh, I'll come up with a spider. So I was like trying to figure things out. I had oil cans and things like that. And then all of a sudden the, the bag with the uh, piano hammers was sitting the there. And I was like, sorry, camera. girlfriend. So I called her up and said, I'm using your piano hammers. And she goes, oh, well, no. <laughs> I told her what I was doing. And she thought that was the strangest thing. She goes, I don't think that's going to work. But she hadn't seen it. Um, you know, I didn't have a, I had the phone back then didn't have a picture. So yeah. when I brought it home and showed it to her, then she went, oh, that's cool. So they were they incredible, so, and they yeah. put them up on the wall for, for a show or for a. Yeah. And they evolved. At first, I couldn't move the legs, mm-hmm. and so then, um, a collector bought three for his house and wanted them going up the wall. And I said, "Wow, the legs have to move." So then I went back and figured out how to move the legs, and then I said, "Oh, I want to do eight for like eight legs," you know. So I made eight spiders and just put them all down that wall. It was fun. The, the entrance wall? So like the big house. Was and that's people's reaction. They either really, really like it or they really dislike them. Well, they only dislike it because it's so amazing and it looks so they real. And they probably beautiful. have a beautiful. They're so beautiful. so beautiful. And they were like, but they were really from all the things that you made, they were like the meanest. <laughs> Right? What? They were no. the meanest. I think you have a phobia. Is that why? I think that's why. Because they looked, they, I they didn't know they looked like fierce and they looked like dark and they looked like, I don't know, maybe it's that's so me. Funny. Okay, that's I did mine. one show where I wanted to do it so bad. Well, again, I wrote about the spiders like I was telling you, I write a little bit about the things. And I had a storybook idea about this little spider that was a vegetarian. Aww. And I thought that was so funny. That was funny. I forgot her name. I think I named it after one of my nieces. Aww, I think her name cute. was Cam. That's one of my nieces. So this little uh, vegetarian spider Cam. <laughs> is the youngest of two sisters. And the other two sisters were very talented. One could play the piano. The other one was uh, a trap. She could do all these things. She had eight legs, so she could spin all these plates. And the little one uh, couldn't do anything. She didn't know what she wanted. She didn't. Aww. She was like trying to figure herself out. She would play dead whenever her sisters would like come in her room, which thought how funny it would be to see like this dead spider. So I took one of the spiders and put it upside down and made all the legs like it was dead for a show. And that I thought was just the funniest thing. Oh, it's just this like no. closed dead spider on a tabletop. That's hilarious. Like where I felt like, wow, I didn't do anything. And there it was. But the other thing I wanted to do was uh, a crab, a spider marionette. I thought that would be really neat. Yeah. But they're so heavy, they don't really work. It would have to be the body being held and then the legs being held individually, I feel, for an order. I don't know. That's how my mind is starting to function and break it down like a puzzle. Things I admire about Pablo Canu, he has some spiders. Was Pablo Cano here while you were here? Yeah. Uh, He 
He showed up one day for oh. a show. They were doing a retrospective okay. of him because he had been at the bakehouse. And I saw him and I went over there and I was like, I was like, hi. <laughs> My name's Mike Money. I know who you are. That's like, so funny. I love your work. That's the reaction <laughs> I awesome. I was I was walking around saying hi to people. Hi, I'm New York to Vegas, and I came to your studio. And he was working late at night because you're you you're a night owl, which I respect because mm. I, I that's a dream. I love being a night owl. And I came to you and I was geeking out. And you were first like, who is this person? And I was just like having that moment. Like, you're Mike Ravimonte. You make the robots. They're amazing. But that was fun. No, but that was geeking, that was like your geeking <laughs> out like moment. That, I got very excited. Like, she yeah. gets very excited. And you work with your hands it's so admirable not a lot of people do it and the fact that you take so much time and care and position yeah. in your work it shows which goes to the crafts which we cut out but please continue so 10 years after i've been doing this i get a phone call from the society of illustrators wow and they said we're doing a show with uh, the winners of uh, what well, no, not the winners we're doing a show with a uh, 10-year retrospective of spectrum okay and we'd like to know if one of your if you'd like to send up one of your robots to put in this show. Wow. And I was like, yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> so uh, we sent a piece. I got to go to the show and talk about geeking out. I mean, people who were there, uh, who were painters when I was in high school, were like walking around. And then besides that, the places like Valhalla. It's like mm -hmm. for all your Norman Rockwell uh, N.C. Wyeth illustrations from uh, his books are in the lobby. You go up these stairs and all these famous illustrators f since time began. I mean, I think it goes all the way to Gibson Girls and, wow. you know, it's just amazing. So to be there and to have your work there after 10 years of walking in there and going crazy myself and with a notepad writing down all these artists and almost getting in so much trouble at work because I, I skipped out. I had my work done, yeah. and I thought I would go there because that's what I'm happens when you're in New York City. You notch. see something and you go, "Oh, yeah. it's going to close in two hours. My work's done. I could won't ever do that again." Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I'm sorry. Where were we? No, no, that we were going to talk about. Um, we we cut out the lovely conversation about the mangroves. We don't have to go as in depth on it now since I realize that we have eaten lots of time. You're welcome, Maria. But can you please just roughly just an overview as to um, post spiders jumping into the mangrove crabs and then where they're at now and how many do you have left? I... Because that's the preview also. Yeah, that's, that's the, also every, the preview. All the and I thank you for that. that. Uh, the, the, um, the crabs I have attempted on several occasions, um, but it, the last time that really got me going was when I went to China um, in 2016, when I was at the airport in Shanghai, we were trying to make a connection to the next flight, and I was there with a traveling friend. Um, I go there to train uh, Tai Chi mm -hmm. uh, whenever I can get the time and the, and the money together to go do that. And um, I saw these crabs uh, on display, and we were trying to figure out what they were doing. They were all tied up, like Japanese style, and uh, or however, I guess you just tie up a, a, an animal like that. And she was telling us that uh, you can buy these crabs. Let's say if you're on a domestic flight, you can buy like a handful of crabs, get them steamed, put them in a box, and take them with you to go home. So I took some pictures of that. And when I came home from my trip, uh, I saw the crabs. And I said, wow, that would be really cool to try to do a crab again. Um, but they're so complicated. And then um, I was going for a walk behind FIU. 
and there's a little area back there that's a kind of a natural preserve of mangroves. It's really pretty. Okay. And I was looking up in the trees and I saw these little tiny crabs, like 10, 12 feet up in the air. There's no way you could get to them, but they're just like sitting there in the trees. And I thought to myself, wow, that is a neat little critter. So we found one because they're like all over the sides. And um, I decided that would be neat to try to solve that problem once and for all, get it on my system. And so I... I can't believe that they are more difficult than a spider. I was thinking like a spider must be more With so the eight legs and Well, stuff. I decided to make the, the spider legs were made out of piano hammers that and were chopsticks. Yeah. The crab I was going to make out of pocket knives, but as I started collecting pocket knives, one, to get a really good pocket knife is about 30 to 40 bucks, so eight of them was going to cost me so expensive. A, a lot of money. And then they were all in just in terrible shape. So I found on eBay a guy who is uh, selling blank knife blades from Schrade, mm -hmm. which was a, a knife factory out of Brooklyn, which was now closed since like the 80s or 70s. And uh, I said, cool, I'll make my own knives. And I figured out how to take it apart. I, I drew it out. I made it first out of um, um, wood. Mm -hmm. I made like a bunch of little models. And uh, my artist friend next door, uh, the welder, uh, Ian, was laughing at me. He would come over, like all the time he would come over and at night I'd be busy trying to make these crabs out of like construction board and all these little things, trying to get him to stand up. And he goes, why do you make so many things? Because I was on like number nine. I have numbered, like crab attempt number nine. I love that. I used to do that in my series, like all your failures, you show that they're prizes, right? Absolutely. They're like trophies and ribbons. You have to have them all up there. It's the trail of tears. It's, yes. So then, um, um, I, I, uh, I decided to water jet the parts, uh, which was like 800 bucks every time I got to the water jet machine. So I was like trying to figure that out. I made one piece wrong, so I had to go back to the water jet again. Uh. Then I had to buy a machine to actually sharpen knife blades, not realizing that the learning curve to make a knife is usually like maybe two years or so. I mean, you could like, probably do I'm one over do a weekend. <laughs> you could probably do a knife over the weekend with a file if you're going to throw it at a tree or use oh, it to open no. letters. But to make a sculpture out of it, you know, there's some precision. So. Um, I'd, I thought that I would just practice making knife blades, you know, until I got it right. And I did that, and I realized that, oh my gosh, this was so much harder than I was going to... Uh, because you're shaping metal mm -hmm. into, like, these little knives. And I started counting the pieces, and it was like... I was... Uh, at last count, I had to make 56 knives for these crabs that I just finished. And each knife has, like, 11 pieces. Oh my God. That all had to be filed, sanded, uh, cleaned up, uh, figured out, glued together, shaped, coated. So a knife is not just one piece? No, those knives have about 11 pieces. There's one piece down the middle, but they're all interconnected. Did oh. you make, like, for the pocket knife, did you make several knives? Like, the pocket knife has, like, a big knife and a small knife? Oh, no, no, no. Just but one I, knife. Right, so one. but I tried to recreate as much as possible. Like, if you look underneath the crab, it looks like the blade could actually fit back up in there. Yeah, it does. Yeah, wow. I tried to really make it... As genuine it to be as nice. possible. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to do it, you got to go it right. all out, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> exactly. So you did really do it. Go big or go home. Yeah. Well, I gave up about three times. I was, you, like I was telling you, you did really do it. I, I did it, and then We're so I gave up. Give up. I got another project for a year doing the roller skating girl uh, for uh, a collector in Portugal. That was an amazing process. Oh, it was so pretty. But it took me a year to figure that out. It was a long time. Uh, because I, I was not a wood carver, mm -hmm. so but I wanted to do it. So I was learning how to carve, and the human form. It, we see ourselves in the mirror every day, so it's really difficult to. Uh, 
uh, and try illustrations to... 2D. So there's you only takes you so far, but the actual physical 360 world. Exactly. Subtractive wow. sculptor. Subtractive. Subtractive sculpture is yeah, it's so hard. So and hard. You I'm, can't add things. Once it falls off, oops, it's gone. Exactly. It's yeah. very un, unapologetic. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I um, thought I had the crabs figured out. I got a, I got some money from a uh, collector that says, "Look, I'll give you the money for one crab if you can figure it out. You know, will that help you?" And I said, "Yes." So I'll try again. So I thought I was in the right direction, and then everything just fell apart. The legs were not connecting. The wood that I was trying to get the koa on top. I wanted. Uh, if you look at the top of the crab, it, mm -hmm. it looks like an old surfboard from the 60s. There's yeah. a couple reasons for that. One, I love old surfboards from the 60s, and I have <laughs> one in my studio. Uh, an old Hobie, it's like a 12-foot Hobie board back there. That's so funny. My studio is weird. It's like for this, when like- it, right, when the hurricanes come. My studio is like a museum of curiosity, odd, <laughs> strange things collected by a crazy person. Stop. And so I wanted the koa wood because I'm a guitar player, and, and I love guitars, and koa yeah. wood is what they use to make guitars. It's That's a beautiful true. wood, so I wanted something really pretty so I had to had to figure out how to get the wood because they only sell it uh, not thickness. thick enough yeah. and not attractive you have to really spend big bucks so <laughs> it was thousands and thousands of dollars just to make these crabs it was just crazy at some point I was like I'm just doing this just to get finished and then I'm just going to just take my wounds like we were talking about all the yes. band-aids I oh, went you through have to have band-aids and I mean I went through boxes of band-aids Oh so, my God, it's like incredible. I figured it's it out. Like... I was able to make seven. Okay. Though when I first started this whole thing, I wanted to make 35. You know what? It's I Seven to, is a good number. Seven I is got a beautiful number. I got to 12 where I said I could make 12, but when I got to seven, I was almost to tears every day, oh, no. you know, trying to get this stuff to work. You have to wait for the wounds to heal and then you the forget. The metal heats up and burns yeah. all your fingertips. Yeah. The sandpaper is catching you. I mean, it, it's really dangerous tools out there. Yeah. And uh, and nothing was what the how I was afraid the crabs would never stand up. Same fear I have with the uh, the robots. It took me three years to figure out how to get a robot to stand up to where I felt like I could leave that in someone's house and a year later it would still be in the same position. <laughs> you know, I always felt like at the end of the year it'd be like that. Oh, you know, the arms down, off a year. Oh, exactly, no. exactly. Breathing goodbye. Or you'd, you'd get a phone call or text saying its arm fell off. I was like, I terrified of those things. So I wanted to make museum. Quality. quality pieces and uh, that took all that extra extra yeah. time to figure it out well they're beautiful and they've been selling how many do you have left if you want to tell I our have listeners? three left so Whoa. for those of you that are interested contact Mike at the big house look up his info send him an email there's three of those beautiful seven left and I just bought the last wood for those today from Hilo or Hilo Hawaii nice yes so they have to ship the wood over here? They have to ship it here, and then I have to find someone to cut it this time because I'm just, it's just too nerve-wracking to cut it. Because <laughs> it's a two-inch piece of wood, and I want to cut it one inch, so I have to cut it right down the middle to book match it, which is how you see on the back of all the guitars. Yeah. yeah. That book match thing is only happens when both sides are cut in the center. And I just don't feel like my skill... My bandsaw and I out there just go... I mean, if I had a baseball... I don't, that's why there's no baseball bat in my studio, because my... <laughs> My you're like, it would bandsaw be would look like a That's bad so batting cage. Funny. Oh no! You're like every time I it's get upset. It's a love hate relationship. At least Sometimes I still have all my fingers. At least you have all your fingers. And, and like you I did said, that amazing. Stop. Well, it was it was slow motion. Of you. 
I gotta... When your wounds heal, I'm sure there will be more than Go seven. GoPro. GoPro. Yes. GoPro is the way to go. Um, our last question for you, Mike, is do you have any upcoming projects you'd like to share with us or shows, trips, exhibits, etc.? At the moment, I'm... Post-crab. Post-crab. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple pieces I still have uh, that I want to make. I feel like I've, I've come to the end of what I wanted to say about robots. Okay. Uh, there's a f two left that I would like to, to make because all the pieces are, are out there. And then after that, I'm, I'm kind of done with that. Um, I'm thinking about maybe some abstract pieces using the metal technique that I've kind of played around with over, over time with uh, my robots with the metal or the rocket ships. Okay. There's some larger pieces I'd like to make because I'm really, uh, part of making the rocket ship and putting the tin on it, the part that's really fascinating for me is choosing the tin that I'm gonna put where. Mm -hmm. So I'm creating the texture. And now I know the tin that I use is from the 40s and 50s. Nice. Uh, and because of that, it has like this own thing going on. So I want to make some big, large, abstract shapes, just tiled, if you would, or puzzled with, uh, with that tin. That's what I want to kind of play with now. Fun. Yeah. One more last question, Maria, before you tell me to shut up. I'm, last question, Mike, is do you accept donations? Do you want people to give you any donations of any vintage items that they find? And if so, what are you open to? I um, have, over time, gotten so much stuff from people. I'll come to my studio and there are boxes out front uh, of surprises and things. And um, I've gone, people have had relatives pass away and they say, you know, come by. There's, I'm sure there's something for you. I would like to send you this. But for me, there's a process of finding that thing that you look at and you go, oh, that's cool. It's a hunt for you. It's that, yeah, and once you find that thing, the other parts attract, get attracted to it. It almost just starts to, like it's a magnet, it all starts to just kind of come together on its own. So for me, it's the journey of finding that mm -hmm. piece. Okay. More so I've discovered than when somebody gives me something. Okay. Even on a commissioned work, mm -hmm. they, um, um, I was just thinking, I haven't done a commission. I've done a commission work, but I always find the pieces. Okay. You know? So you don't do a commission with like, oh yeah, look, we have this old you radio. You make it. something out of that right. old it's radio. Never, or it's never really it's not like that. Yeah. It yeah. It, it's, uh, well, it feels I'm, like you have to select it. The pieces that you choose yeah. feel like you've, it's really, they the have your touch. The process is yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Like yeah. some things, I'm really, I try not to buy anything bef after 1950. Mm -hmm. because I believe that everything before that has like this craftsmanship and style. Meant to and last. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's something there that just is like, wow. So pre-1950. Yeah, most of the time. They'd have to send you an image and you approve it. <laughs> <laughs> Let him find his stuff. <laughs> just sometimes you find something really good. I'm like, Mike would like this. And then I'm like, no, he likes probably likes to pick his stuff. So I, I've already... In my mind, yeah. He I likes feel like to pick it's his like stuff. I like to pick my stuff too. It's like it's a, a you have yeah, to. Yeah, you're specific. It has to speak to you. Mm -hmm. That makes any sense. Yeah. Anyhow. Okay. Very Maria. last question. Yeah. You've been sitting in a magical rocking chair for the yes, past seventy-five minutes. Isn't that funny? <laughs> you're number seventy-five. That's amazing. That's very That's true. That's very true. I did a I did a good thing. Um, it grants you three wishes. Yes. 
Actually, you get it. Three wishes. You get four because you, you've been doing it for 75 minutes. So four wishes today and today only. You have to say them out loud for them to come true, but they will come true because you it's a magical rocking chair. What are your four wishes? My four wishes. I have not approved this, by the way. You have not approved this. <laughs> no, so, of course okay, I do. We love Okay, the fourth one is only with me, not yes. with all I got you. I got you. I, I, that's, that's very... If you have a fourth one. Right. It's been a very weird month, so I, I think my first wish would be a lot more happiness mm -hmm. and love and... Uh, uh, I think there's a lot more of that. Yeah. Uh, I've just been a very interesting month, but mm -hmm. uh, that's one of my wishes. More love and happiness to go around. Yes. Uh, I love smiles versus frowns. Uh, two, uh, I'm going to China hopefully next month. Yay. And I am uh, going there to visit uh, uh, friends and explore and hopefully become uh, a disciple of my teacher who I've been studying underneath for like three years. He's in his 70s. He's such an amazing man. So hopefully that's going to happen, Fingers which would be really big for me because yes. uh, that would be an honor to be a part of that family. And then my third wish would just be um, to just keep finding this. My, my work seems to fall into the hands of the coolest people, and I just like that. I would mm -hmm. like to just continue that. I have not yet had a relationship with uh, a client who has been just awful. Every one of them knows loves my work at first. Mm -hmm. I had one person come in here saying that I'm surprised it's still here. I was going to take it and call you and say it's at my house and tell me what you want. You know? <laughs> so I mean, I just find the just nicest people. I think it's because my work is lighthearted too. Mm -hmm. It helps. It's happy work. Okay, Maria's fourth wish. Okay, my fourth no, wish not is you saying my <laughs> no, actually, that you're going to do some animation very soon. Oh. Because I see your sculptures, your drawings, your book, like, animated mm -hmm. and come to life. And it will break my heart. Okay. And I would probably cry about that. One short thing. Uh, when I first started, I was very, very uh, uh, much in wanting control of my pieces because I made them. I brought them, not to life, but you I made them, from, them from my mind yeah. to there. And this aspiring animator, I don't know his name, I lost the emails, wrote me saying, I'm doing this undergraduate work project and I would like to know if I could animate one of your robots. Well, I didn't know how to respond back then to compliments. I found it very odd, because um, I was getting, uh, uh, it, was, it was amazing, but it was just an odd thing. Um, and so I didn't reply, thinking that by not replying, I was friendly, see, friend, nicely saying no. And then like maybe like six months later, I get this, reply in the mail from the same kid. I'm going to say he's a kid because he was undergraduate. Yeah. And uh, he had completely animated uh, one of my uh, robots doing an old, uh, I believe it's a mirror routine. I think it was Charlie Chaplin. Oh. And he did this Charlie Chaplin routine of my robot in front of the mirror, and it was beautiful. Wow. But the thing was is that I had in my mind already thought of all the wonderful things that my robots would do. Yeah. And that and was so not one of them. He had, um, no, no, it wasn't that. It was that he had done it. And he had done that problem. And I didn't get the chance to do that problem. So I didn't know how to, I just told him, I said, this is amazing. I said, this is wonderful work. He says, well, I hope in the future that I could work with you. And then I, I lost all that information, but I felt like, had I been smart, 
and recognized it for what it was, someone who felt the same love for my thing that I had built that I had and wanted to do something with it, I would have been amazing. But I um, undergrad student who is no longer so now, a kid out there. If stop you hear motion this, is, please stop motion is just him. a hard wow. thing. Yeah. yeah, it's like a week to do. Uh, just a few seconds. Yeah, like a week to do ten seconds or yeah. something like that. Well, That's let's hope he crazy. still follows you and hears this interview Dad, and listen. Is inspired. It's <laughs> so much fun to collaborate First, too. Yeah, these characters have so much soul and so much he life. has the stories already I in know. his head you could have a whole series it's like you can put music with totally. it for example guitar music or whatever so much fun it's already set we'll it's in my mind that, that was reach number four it's in our minds well thank you mike for staying with us for so 75 so minutes thank you it. i'm so i'm, so, I'm it's fun. so sorry we love you mike like so first time come visit him at the big every house. 75 sessions studio <laughs> outside and mm -hmm. can i tell you guys thank you so much for this project i think it's amazing what you're oh, doing to bring you. awareness it's just so grassroots you know this area in south florida you know and uh, this community because uh they don't really have a voice and the idea that you're giving uh, all these people a voice, both artists and co and collectors and curators and g uh, gallery owners, it's just it's just great to just kind of like bring all those people together. Thank Aww, you so much. Thank you, thank you a lot. Thank, thank you, Mike. Thank and we'll be you. linking up your website to our website. And if you're interested, collectors or animators or whoever it is, <laughs> please click on Mike's website and shoot him an email. All right. Or visit him outside. <laughs> Bye, guys. See you next Thanks week. Thanks for listening. We're going to be back next week with a new Rocking Chair 76. session. Bye.